Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 051. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, it would be nice if we could hop on Amazon and drop something in our cart that would bust feelings of loneliness. Unfortunately, I'm yet to learn of something that does the trick. But through God's word, there's an encouragement that can go far beyond anything we can get on Amazon. It requires a bit of a journey to get there, but the end result is worthwhile. Check it out. Have you ever had a time in your life, a period in your life, where you just felt lonely? Maybe it's some time that feels like, that goes on for a couple of days, maybe even a couple of weeks. Sometimes God help us even a little bit more. It's not an uncommon thing, as one health group did a study about last year. It said just about half of Americans feel loneliness at that time. Probably the other half that weren't feeling it then probably had some experience with it because it is, you live enough life, sometimes you go through those periods. Those periods where, that are marked by phrases like, my relationships aren't meaningful, people don't know me well. The one that really caught me that is so, so true is I can be around people, but not with them. One of the loneliest feelings can be feeling lonely, yet you are surrounded by people. The thing is, it doesn't seem like the trend is getting any better, as younger people feel it even more so, maybe than older people. I wish I could say that Amazon was having a sale on the Loneliness Buster 5000, available for Prime for the next 12 hours, so go get it after worship. But you know what? Maybe I can do one better. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Through him, we know that whatever it is we experience, you know exactly what that feels like. So help us in that to be transformed by your word. Amen. Well, perhaps I'm overselling the idea a little bit that I have some magic preacher dust that can take away loneliness for all of us once and for all. The idea fits so perfectly into this topic that we've been studying lately. As we look at some of the blessings that we have when Jesus is in our life that we don't often think about, that we just sort of let be there in the background, but sometimes we need to be reminded of them, have them kind of brought back to the forefront so that we realize how much abundant life there is in Christ. Over the last couple of weeks, we had talked about being able to, where we focus and how it helps us to bust through worry how we have power through God's gift of grace. And with this particular topic this week, it's really hard to peg it down to one word. And so I'm going to kind of let it unfold a little bit. And hopefully you'll forgive me as I maybe shift terms around a little bit, but I'm going to sort of let this unravel for us rather than just come out with it all at once. But my first attempt at this idea of of one-wording this idea is blessing. Now I know that may sound a little bit bizarre and like circular logic, like a blessing of being a Christian is a blessing? How does that work out? I know the wording may be a bit strange, but it is an incredibly large, impactful topic in the biblical times when our stories are written. So much so that people will fight over this idea of blessing. So let me kind of give you a bit of an overview of what blessing has looked like throughout Scripture so that it makes a little bit of sense what this context is. 
and then we'll get around to the actual passage that we're going to use to, to unfold how this plays out for us uh, in a little bit. So first off, blessing came right at the very beginning between God and Adam and Eve, where God has this ping pong thing going on as he is creating creation. And we have this back and forth between create and it was good and create and it was good and create and it was good. And then God kind of hits the pause button on this ping pong match as he creates humanity. And he gives us Genesis 1. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over every living thing that moves upon the earth. It's a somewhat condensed version of Genesis 1, 28, but it gets the idea across. God made a special move to acknowledge and bless the creation that was built out of God's own image, man and woman, and he blessed them. Later on in the, the biblical story, we get to Isaac and Jacob. Now, this is where things get a little bit fun uh, as far as the idea of blessing comes around because the scene that I'm going to draw from is when Isaac is an old man, nearly blind. And it comes time, he doesn't know how much life he has left, where he is going to bless his son so that he can basically pass on the head of the family authority onto his son. Now, the tradition is that this is passed on to the oldest child. However, Rebecca and Jacob are a little bit sneaky. To kind of summarize the full context of the story, Jacob tricks his dad, Isaac, into giving him the blessing. Jacob is the younger of the two sons. Esau is his older brother who's supposed to get this blessing. And he tricks Isaac. Isaac passes on the blessing, and with it, as I said, basically all the head of the family authority. Because being given a blessing in this context, it's as good as a contract. It has power to it. And realize, and this is going to come up in a little bit, this is something that's happening from a parent to a child. That's the context of this particular scene of blessing. So much so, it's, it's such a big thing that the older brother, when he finds out what happened, runs up to Isaac and says, well, don't you have another blessing that you can give me? Because, you know, I'm really the oldest son. And Isaac says, I only have one blessing to give. Your younger brother has the authority now. And we see just how big this idea of blessing is to these people. Far, far bigger than God bless you, which we so rattle off without even thinking after somebody sneezes. Take it up to the New Testament, where we have the writer Paul, the Apostle Paul, and his protege, Timothy, where in, in 2 Timothy, Paul is saying to Timothy, who is a young man, he says, Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about the Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. This is as he's laying hands on Timothy. And laying hands on somebody is a, you call it a physical manifestation of blessing somebody. The neat thing is we'll get to see this in a very real way next week when we ordain and install our new consistory. And we bless by laying hands on them. To kind of summarize this idea, I like what one pastor says as a definition of blessing. This is kind of where I'm, what I'm going to use to launch the rest of this. When he says, blessing is speaking into the lives of others. We could almost just stop it right there. Establishing relational connection, declaring their high value, and reassuring commitment. Now see if you can hear some of that in the passage that I have for today. Out of Luke 3, 
There are different versions of it, but I'm specifically going to Luke's version here. Verses 21 and 22. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, he's down at the River Jordan with John the Baptist, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So if I can try to take this word blessing that seems a bit ethereal, if you will, in our context, and put a more practical term on it, maybe I would use the word encouragement. But imagine what it would be like if a child heard this from their parent. You are my son or my daughter. Context works either way. The beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Imagine what that would sound like to the ears of a child. And the cool thing is it doesn't matter if the child is Leah's age or 100 years over Leah's age. Imagine what it would be like to hear those words. That is, that's why I choose this version of the passage. Luke's version, Mark's version use, you are my beloved son. Matthew uses, this is my beloved son, speaking kind of to the crowd as a whole. It shows how this is a message to Jesus not just about Jesus. Now what about in the context of those when the characters in the story, in the discussion, aren't, you know, God? It seems like that can be a little, when God is the one speaking, it can be like we sort of put that conversation up on a pedestal, like, okay, that's something distant from us. But imagine what it would be like for a child to hear, if I had all the kids in the world standing out there in front of me, and I had the choice to choose only one you know who I'd choose? Imagine if a child heard, I'd choose you. If I had the choice of everybody out there. Imagine what that would be like. You want to know the power behind that? Ask somebody who never heard something like that. And you'll get just how powerful it can be. To say, I love you simply because you're my child. As I said, I'm going to quote out just imperfectly I am. This is one of those things, though, that I will constantly try to run through my head to tell the kids, because family is the first place that everybody should get to learn what blessing looks like, what blessing is. Especially in that context of parents being able to share it with their children. We'll get into a little bit more of that in a little bit. But I want you to catch something else that's happening here. This is happening as Jesus is about 30 years old. He is in Luke 3. Uh, The other passages are similarly early in the gospel. My point is, Jesus has not done one bit of ministry when he hears this. He has not saved the day at a wedding. He has not done any resurrections, any miracles. He has not turned blind eyes into seeing eyes, and he has not made lame legs run again. He's done none of that. And yet his father says, you are my beloved, and you I am well pleased. I know I'm going to use this phrase a lot, but it's just, it's a lot to wrap our head around. Imagine what it would be like if our children were loved like that. If we knew love like that. Where it's like, I love you, even if you didn't bring home the trophy. I love you, even if your report card is not covered in A's. Speaking from a parent aspect, we certainly want our children to be able to have to achieve high goals, to be able to do things well. 
You know one of the best ways we can do that? As parents, as grandparents, as aunts, uncles, as just friends who are around children, reminding them that somebody has their back. That somebody loves them simply for who they are. So that's the thing about what's happening here, which is, is Jesus is loved because of his position as son, not his performance as son. And there may be times when, as parents or grandparents, we disagree with what our children do, where we think, you know what, you could have made a lot smarter decision than the one you did. But when they know somebody's got their back, somebody loves them even in their foolish moments, it helps them bounce back up because they know they're loved. They know somebody's got their back. Now maybe this will be, this. say this and it all again sounds kind of distant. Sort of like, what does this have to do with me? I'm not a parent. I don't work with kids. You know, maybe my kids are all grown and out of the house and everything like that. What does this have to do with me? Well, here's the cool thing. The blessing that I'm talking about does not require a parent role to be a part of it. Paul is going to say in Ephesians 4, He, God, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. Maybe that's another word that I ought to throw in. It gets a little bit ethereal again and all that, but to one word it with the, with the idea of adoption. Because you know what happens when a child is adopted? Biblically speaking, at least, that adopted child gets all the rights, privileges, Everything that comes with being a natural child. As Paul says in Romans 8, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. If we're adopted children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. As adopted children, we are blessed in all those same kinds of ways that Jesus is. If we are adopted children, if Jesus is in our life, you know what? Those words that God says to Jesus count for us as well. You are my child, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. See, here's the cool thing. The best blessings out there cannot be bought. You can't go to Amazon and buy the Loneliness Buster 5000 and think it's going to solve your problems much as some people may try to do it. You can't find the solution in the app store. Download something and all of a sudden, there goes loneliness. The solution comes in a relationship with the Jesus Christ who said, I love you no matter what. You are worth the cross to me, even if nobody else thinks so. Even if everybody else shuns you and makes fun of you and laughs at you and kicks you out of town like I was talking about with the kids, says, you're still worth the cross to me. And the cool thing is, and I'm going to say this in the context of parents, but it fits for, again, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles. We have the chance to pass that kind of blessing on to our children. As I said, the story with Isaac and Jacob, so much of blessing is a parental thing from parent to child, or at least that's one context of it. But one way of defining blessing, as far as what the word means, is to kneel down, to get on your knee. 
Not that it says I'm submitting or something like that, but it says you're valuable enough that I'm going to leave my world and enter into yours. Speaking for myself, it's been a long time since I have lived in the world of being four feet tall. Quite a long time, actually. But when I talk to the kids, when I get it right talking to the kids, let me be honest, and I come down to their world, the cool thing is nothing from the world of six feet tall people gets in the way. It's just me and Sarah, me and Andrew, me and Leah. Those moments are some of the neatest parenting moments out there. But it takes effort to do that. Because, again, we have to leave our world as six feet tall people to enter into theirs. But that says to them, you're valuable enough that I'm willing to do that. So, this week, here's my next step for you. I want you to bless somebody. Encourage somebody. Speak life to somebody. Now, particularly if the context allows, let it be family. If you can speak life to your child, whatever age they might be, go for it. Do it. Spouses, parents, I mean, this can go the other way up. Friends. But I really want to say, do this with family this week. Double lightning bonus round points if you do it more than once. But this allows us to live into the calling that so many people have phrased, that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.